Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. It was a frustrating night at Craven Cottage as Fulham peppered the Everton goal but to no avail. Unable to get past Pickford and playing out a nil-nil draw to keep another clean sheet and maintain 7th spot in the Premier League. Here to discuss the lack of goals with me, I have Sam. How are you going, Sammy? What's up, party people? And Elton, how are we? Yeah, great, thanks. So, a bit of a weird one to discuss, I guess. A nil-nil draw against a team like Everton, I'd say four or five seasons ago, we'd be cheering for that and saying, what a great result. Felt like a bit of a disappointment uh, coming away from that. There was a, a bit of a missed opportunity. Sammy, what were your thoughts after the game? Yeah, totally. Um, look, I mean, from a spectator point of view, it's actually a really, really good game of football. I actually don't think we played badly. I was, I took like a lot of notes during the game and I think I've got a lot of positives to actually say about everybody. And yeah, there wasn't, I don't think there was a poor performance from us, from basically anybody. I feel like there wasn't, there wasn't a, an eyesore um, so, yeah, it's just a bit annoying and frustrating. But, yeah. I think um, on any analysis, truthfully, truthfully, it is a missed opportunity because we we there were three points for the taking there, I thought. Um, and, and if you really look at, I'm not going to say wasteful, but we didn't execute for what you can go into the reasons for why it didn't happen and why it didn't work out for us. But to have that many shots on goal, I think in excess of 20 shots on goal and not come away with uh, one or two in the back of the net is surely poor execution. So, look, let's let's get into the game itself. Uh, I did also keep a few notes and I'll, we'll just sort of go through some of the flashpoints of the game. Um, the first one, which was a really good opportunity, which is probably the best opportunity of the whole game, actually, uh, Willian turning and shooting from oh, all of six yards out and a really good save from Pickford. Sammy, should Willian have done better there? I mean, the the attempt itself kind of reminded me of like a FIFA 10 glitch where um, the player can just move around way quicker than uh, is feasibly possible. So I was actually impressed that he even managed to get that much of it. I, know, like, I think it was a good save from... Uh, like Pickford, you could argue maybe he could have like uh, shifted it a little bit wider. But I mean, considering that he even got a shot from the position that he was in, I was quite impressed. Look, yeah, look, it, it really tight quarters there. He's got the world. He's under a lot of pressure. The ball's at his feet. It gets a little stuck underneath him, but he got plenty of it. It just happened to be too close to Pickford. He did really well. It was a real reflex stop. Um, you know, m- maybe at that distance from Pickford, it only had to be oh, a, a, a yard to the left or right, and it's probably past him. Um, so a bit unlucky, um, but, you know, that that is uh, high-level sport. You've got to be, be better than that, I guess, or luckier. <laughs> Yeah, I I think, you know, um, there is probably a couple of opportunities that William had where the ball just got stuck under his feet a little bit. And he kind of did well to recover from from the one we're talking about where he had to hit it on the turn. He got a fair bit of power and it's just unfortunate. Like you said, if it was a yard either side 
of where he hit it, it's probably a goal. Because Pickford has just mm. pure reactions, put his hand up, and he's managed to get a fingertip on it and put it over the bar. Yeah, like I said, either side of him, and that's a goal every time. So, you know, it, it's tough. I don't think he could have done better as such, but it's one of those ones where he, he did as, as well as he possibly could and actually got a shot on goal. Um, and there was that other opportunity when I'm talking about Willian getting stuck under his feet where he sort of drove into the box, um, knocked the ball wide to then get a better angle to shoot with, but just didn't quite knock the ball far enough. Dad, do you think maybe Willian's showing that little bit of rustiness from the fact that he hasn't really played that much football in the last six, 12 months? Probably. Um, you know, uh, that second shot, it would have been, and this is the benefit of hindsight, slow motion and five different camera angles. But, you know, he's, he sent Pickford to the left. Pickford hasn't dived that far, but sort of top right-hand corner or top left-hand corner, which I think he probably had space to do, uh, would have been a completely informed Willian and maybe 10 years younger as well. But, look, uh, you know, Pickford did well and he's a good goalkeeper, he's a good shot stopper. Um, you know, if that was against a keeper of, let's say, Rodak standard, not to be too hard on him, <laughs> that's probably a goal, even that. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, I... Uh, and I don't know um, how much managerial skill it requires to just chuck eight players in the box at all times. I think um, the boys were just under an immense amount of pressure there for the entire game. But like it was more just because of numbers there. I don't think there was that much skill involved in what Lampard was doing. It's just it's quite annoying, but it's eh, what it is, really. Yeah, we, we really did pepper their goal early. So from that... Um six yards out, that, that shot that was saved, we got a corner. And from that corner, Mitro got a really good header in, which Pickford, again, made a good save, probably going over the top. Uh, that one gets knocked out for a corner. And then from that corner, uh, the ball gets headed out or could have got punched out by Pickford potentially and lands at um, Harrison Reed's feet, and he puts a good shot on goal as well uh, towards the top corner. Um, were we Should we have done better? Um Dad or Sam, I guess, you know, these first sort of 15, 20 minutes of the game, we are really pushing it and, and creating a lot of opportunities. Should we be finishing one of those? Do you think we were a bit wasteful? I don't think we were wasteful as such. I think, I think, do you know, do you know what? I was, I was kind of reminded of um, Stanfield earlier in the season. I remember the first couple of games he played, he was playing really out of his skin because he was playing with a serious desperation. But I don't necessarily think he's like a Premier League quality player. That's what I got from all of Everton's defense. Like all of Everton's defense were playing at their absolute peak and I think we were just playing a pretty solid game. So I don't necessarily think we had any missed opportunities. I just think that Everton were defending for their lives the entire game. And what, like you can you can argue, yeah, we could have been more skillful, but when like a team is just desperately trying to like not um concede, is it's it's very, very difficult. But to to be fair, for the first seven to ten minutes we were under the cosh. Mm -hmm. They really jumped us. And there was some 
really, really good stretching direct balls through and over and behind. Her, poor old Ream was having to, you know, run at his absolute fastest to, to get back. We, we, we looked. We didn't look disorganised. We didn't look rattled. But God, we were under the pressure, under a lot of pressure. And then it seemed to me, I might maybe getting my minutes wrong here, but it seemed to be after about ten minutes, we we settled and uh, we never looked bad defensively. We looked just a little bit more organised, and then we started um, going at them. Mm. And I think if you have that many chances, you create that many chances. You simply have to convert some of them. Mm. Otherwise, either you're playing against a superior opposition, which I don't really think they were, but barring Pickford's very, very good first half, um, you know, what? how else can you characterise it if you have a lot of chances but you don't come away with anything? Either you weren't good enough or they were incredible, which is it? Mm. Yeah, well, for me, I, I don't think they were they were incredible. They did park the bus a little bit, but I don't even think they parked it that much. I'd say we I, – I don't know if we were wasteful, but because I don't think there are any real clear-cut opportunities, but I feel like you need to finish better than that in the Premier League if you want to take home points every week. And we just yeah. – we're just fractionally off. Um, but, you know, as you said, actually, to follow up on your point as well, Everton, you know, we have to remember their front three of – uh, Anthony Gordon, Calvert-Lewin and Iwobi are dangerous. They, they've got a lot mm. of pace, they've got a lot of power as well. And uh, definitely in that first 10 minutes, we did look a little bit <laughs> under the pump and a few balls came in over the top. They were playing very, very direct. And Ream did sort of struggle at first, but I think we sort of found our feet after the first 10 minutes and understood what their game plan was and ju- adjusted really well, which is good to see. And you put that down to Silver's management as well to sort of say he, he's made the changes on field very quickly and basically plugged what looked like were gaps at first, um, but ended up showing a bit of solidarity in defence, which was good. But talking of Everton being wasteful, Dad, there was one that we definitely talked about last night when we were watching the game, uh, that cross that came in Calvert-Lewin. Should he have done better there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's a, okay, it's not exactly at foot height, but it's, it, it's it's maybe thigh height or waist height, but he, he absolutely should have popped that past the keeper, hundred percent. He fluffed I mean, that Premier League striker at the end of the day. It, should, it does it shouldn't really matter what height it is. If you're less than six yards out from goal, you should be hitting the target and and making it count. He was hardly at full stretch. He, right. You know, it was he was in a comfortable body position. He should have actually put that away. I have been staring at that note that I have made specifically DC DCL 20th minute. Um, yeah. I've been staring at that for like the past three minutes now. I feel like that is the point where genuinely Everton's attacking threat kind of died because yeah. that you can't, you can't, that is, you can't miss that. Like if we were in that position, there's no way we're missing that. And I feel that from there, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he, he just wasn't in the game from that point onwards. Which we probably, you could argue, we probably should have capitalized on that. But again, I feel like that's when, even though that was at the twentieth minute, I feel like that's when their defense went. Okay, we're probably not going to score, so we need to tighten up. I'd agree in a sense. I think after that chance, there was one or two other sort of chances, but they 
they just looked like they lacked a bit of confidence and maybe they just believed that they weren't going to score a goal that day because they missed something like that. But mm. um, talking of the other chances, there was a header from Calvert-Lewin a little while after that where he basically had a free header about around about the penalty spot, put it straight down Leno's throat. Leno saved comfortably. A couple other opportunities where they had sort of attempts on goal and they just won. One, I don't know what happened. He looked like he just passed it slowly into Leno's arms. On the yeah, yeah, so Would soft, you? so soft. They, they just didn't look like they had any kind of cutting edge, and you can kind of see why they've struggled early season. Because if they're not putting away those easy opportunities, and then when they get those half chances, they're not really making, not really testing Leno. Leno wasn't tested all day. No, nah. he didn't have to make any real save in anger all day long. So, I mean, from that point of view, we were, we definitely looked comfortable, and I think we we should have capitalised on that. You're right, Sammy. We we when a team is finishing that poorly, we should be saying, "Yeah, well, this is our chance for three points because all we need to do is score one goal." Oh yeah, I think we haven't actually mentioned it yet, but there was—I can't remember the exact minute that it happened—but there was um, a contest between, I think it was Mitro and Connor Cody, and um, Mitro went down on um, a single leg, and it looked like he was in it agony after that happened which he fell from pretty decent height and that much pressure on one leg would hurt a lot and i feel from that point onwards that kind of took him a little bit out of the game because i noticed a massive difference in his touch after that i'm going to respectfully disagree i thought he was foxing i thought Uh, it it was a difficult fall and he lay on the ground for a long time and then play went on um and he got up and he was remonstrating, trying to kind of influence a yellow, in my mm-hmm. view. And then he seemed to be fine. It, yeah. I think he was trying to say to the ref, and try, he's probably trying to get the ref to look at VAR because he seemed to be saying that he's come in and either kneed him or elbowed him yeah. in that challenge. I, I think there was a bit of foxing there. He, he did look like he took a bit of a nasty fall, but... It's one of those things, and you see it quite a lot. The, the defender wasn't looking at the ball. He, mm. And we saw there was another instance as well where I, I can't remember who it was, but the defend, um I think it could have been either Robinson or Dekodover Reed, and Anthony Gordon just backs in completely, meaning the player who's jumping then goes over the top of the, of the striker. And it should have been called a foul, and it didn't. And I, I, I don't like it when that happens, and I think, Strikers are usually culpable of it because you're actually putting the other player in a lot of danger by mm. waiting for them to jump up in the air and then taking them out while they're in the air. And I know you shouldn't jump over the top of someone, but at the same time, strikers are are being a bit cheeky there by backing in. So uh, I think there was a bit of foxing. Now, I didn't think there was anything malicious in it, and I don't think he hurt himself too much. But he, you're right, Sammy, he did look like he had a little bit of an off day, and I guess we'll sort of touch on that a bit later. Yeah. But one other point as well to make about Mitro, which was towards the end of the first half, which was a bit contentious. Um, his, inverted commas, stamp on, I think it was uh, either Idrissa Ghana Gay or uh, Onana. I can't remember exactly which one it, it was. was. Idrissa, it, it was Idrissa Ghana Gay. It was yeah. Um, I guess each of you first thoughts, red card or not? Um, again, slow motion. <laughs> Look, excuse me. <coughs> it looked really bad. Um, I I think uh, as as some of the pundits were uh, commenting on it, he's he's very close to him. It's not like he's running and 
dived in. He sort of stretched for it. I thought the most interesting observation could have been James, actually, on Optusport, who said that um, Idrissa Gaya, actually, he kind of lunges and dives underneath Mitro's foot as Mitro's simultaneously coming in. So not not that it wasn't a foul, but I think he sort of put himself in quite a dangerous position. Going for the ball, if he gets the ball, it's not his problem. I think it, that is, if he doesn't break his ankle. But I think I don't think it was malicious at all. Um, if it's a dangerous tackle, whether it's malicious or not doesn't matter. But I think um, it was all happening at pretty high speed, and I think yellow's the right call there. Not not because I'm a Fulham fan, but I really do think yellow's the right call. I think yeah. I've. I think I've proven on this podcast that I am capable of not being biased. Um, and I, gen- I genuinely think that it's a yellow or a foul. If you actually look at Mitrovic's eyeline, he's clearly very much contesting for the ball. Like there's not, it's, it's a bit of a misstep by him, but it's more of like a clunky misstep as opposed to like an intentional trying to like be aggressive in a sense. Um, it, it, it I feel that if you do scream for red there, I feel that you are getting into like Everton bias, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a red at all. Because uh, oh, you're I, not biased towards Everton. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's actually the other way around. Where I actually think Mitro is playing for the foul. He's doing that thing that strikers do, and he does especially well, where you step across mm. and shield the ball. Yeah. And as as you said, Dad, and, and David James said at halftime, the only place uh, Garner Gay's foot can actually go is underneath Mitro's foot. He's basically already... It was a poor touch from him in the first place, and so he's lunging to try and tap the ball away. The only way he can get his foot in is to go underneath Mitro's foot anyway. So mm. there is really nothing Mitro can do. Mitro's... Yep, fractionally late. I'd say they both get there roughly the same time anyway. It's a definite yellow card. I think if a red card had been given there, it would have been incredibly harsh. Um, and I think everyone would have been unhappy about it. And I think even Everton fans would have... You, you can justify it for sure, but it's it's not a red card in my book. And that's, mm. that's trying not to be too biased. But I just think if you give that as a red card, you're you're softening the game massively at that point. Yeah. I think the ref, in real time, made an excellent decision, you know. I mean, it's yeah, easy to yeah. analyse it in slow motion. But he, he kind of completely um, picked up the intent and yep. everything in a fraction of a second. I thought he made a pretty good decision. And yeah. I think that's the thing as well. No, neither player was going in, like, really hard for the ball. It's not like Mitro was having to lunge and stamp at the ball or anything. He, he They were both close to it. The referee yeah. was close to it. He saw it. Called it very early, called it straight away. I don't think he had any issues. I don't even think they really looked at it on VAR, which just shows that they, they sort of backed the ref there, which is exactly what you want in those situations where you don't want that to go to VAR because, like you said, in slow motion, it didn't look good. Mm-hmm. So, look, we'll, that sort of wraps up the first half. We'll get on to the second half, but definitely the first half of this game was, was by far the most kind of exciting or, or incident-filled Second half was pretty tame in, in comparison. Um, the Willian penalty appeal is the first thing we'll talk about in the second half. 
<clears throat> Sammy, your thoughts on that? It happened in only sort of 90 seconds into the first half. It did get checked by VAR and they waved it away. What were your thoughts? I don't think it's a pen. Like, uh, as I, th- I thought the refereeing last night was actually very, very good and very unbiased. And I think to give that a pen probably would have been quite uh, contentious. I feel like it's you, uh, you, uh, like a different referee probably could have given it um, a pen. But again, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like that's, it wouldn't have necessarily, I would have taken it, but like it wouldn't have necessarily been fair, if that makes sense. I did he did he step on his foot? Yes. Was it intentional? No. Did he impede his run? Yes. Technically, it's a penalty. And, yeah. And you know, I'm I'm actually surprised on VAR that they didn't give it. Uh, we're all always looking for consistency, but. Penalties, you know, intentionality doesn't come into it. It's whether someone was impeded, whether someone was fouled, right? I think he was fouled. I'm going to try and be as unbiased as possible and say that (laughs) if that had been given against us, I think we'd be spitting chips about it right now. I think their, their feet almost landed next to each other. I don't even. I don't think his foot landed on top of Willian's foot, and I think with Willian's next step, he's potentially looking for the penalty by just leaving that leg trailing very slightly, and he does get a little bit of contact there. But I actually think it was probably the right call from the ref to let that go. I think the contact is so so minimal that it shouldn't have caused Willian to fall over, and the ref has probably made the right call there. And I'm rolling my eyes as I say it because. I would have loved to get a penalty there. But I, being as unbiased as possible, if that had happened against us, I would have been fuming yeah. about it. Yeah. Because I think that would have been a really soft penalty where there's barely any contact and he's going down fairly easily. Uh, we would have been spewing. You, Dad, you would have been spewing, surely. Uh, yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm really trying to be completely impartial. I really am. And I'm trying to work out... I would prefer to be done on a really technical basis. If you infringe someone, it's a penalty. So um, the only question then becomes whether the, the VAR, the ref or the VAR ref is being duped by someone who's very, very carefully and brilliantly actually dived or left his leg trailing or somehow has gone down softly even though um yeah he's he's made it look more worse than it was and and i think i think those things are kind of easier to spot it's really easy in slow motion to spot someone diving or faking it i reckon Mm -hmm. um what's a why if if we want to use var um why wouldn't we simply go to a situation where okay well it doesn't matter how hard the contact is, but if it's technically there, it's penalty. And then I think you can adjust. All sides can adjust to that. I just think if you compare that incident to a whole bunch of incidents in the first 10 games of the season, it's really inconsistent. 
I love uh, I how am... good refereeing is becoming contentious. I think that's a, I think that's hilarious. But yeah, you're right. I, I am slightly surprised that they didn't go and check it at least on VAR. Oh, they did. They, de- the... they definitely did. No, no. I mean, send the ref to go and have a look and, mm. and see if he agrees with it. I, I still think it's great having the VAR person sitting in that little booth doing it. Um, but I would like to see the ref go and look at some of those and make make his decision off the based off that. But again, I'm not too disappointed that we didn't get that. I, do, I think it was calling it contentious. I don't think is quite right because I don't think it was a contentious one. Mm. Uh, I think it could have been given, but if it had been given against us, like I said, I would have been pretty furious about it. So the fact that it didn't get given, I, I'm understanding of, and I'm not too worried about. Um, would have I, been great. I really wasn't that annoyed. I wasn't that annoyed at all. No, but no. I'm just thinking, what's the best way of implementing this? And to me, it's, you know, just remove all the, did he mean it? Forget it. If it's contact and it's it's actually impeded a player from moving forward or stopped him from scoring, then it's it's a penalty. Simple. Well, I I would say in that instance, then, the contact made on Willian was not enough to actually stop him. I think Willian's gone down too easily. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, and, and and I tell you what, the much bigger issues are, are when players are being blocked, um, because okay, maybe they're nowhere near the ball, but if, if everyone blocks a, a striker or um, you know a, a, an opponent from running into a dangerous position, you'll never score a goal. Yeah, and yeah. there were a couple of instances of of that happening yeah. in the game as well, which I think one of them actually got checked by VAR, but it wasn't it wasn't much. But uh, I think that's starting to get picked up a little bit more by VAR and by referees in general now, which is kind of good because I think that works in our favour because Mitro gets manhandled constantly in games. So the fact that that is being checked more often, I know it worked against us with Pereira against West Ham, but I think that's going to work in our favour through the rest of the season if that is getting checked closely. Um, So, look, moving on, we did start the second second half quite brightly. Um, Mitro had a header just over He had a shot just over My note here though There weren't really any Particular chances to talk about For the rest of the game But the fact that Mitro had a lot of chances And I don't think We really tested Pickford in the second half Not like we did in the first half It felt like we were quite wasteful And we had a lot of half chances Opportunities that we should have Probably done better on And should have hit the target on And it just didn't feel like we were finishing well at all. And I, I wouldn't put that down to good Everton defence in most cases either. i just say we weren't able to hit the target. Mm. Again, so. though, again though, I would put that down to Everton defending for their lives. And I don't think they were... I don't even think, like, Lampard's game plan was particularly clever. I just thought that they were just loading up the box and just putting... A stupid amount of pressure. I swear to God, for like the whole second half, they had like eight players in the box, and I think the our possession stats were like pretty skewed our way. So I don't really think that they were doing anything overly impressive. They were just being quite annoying. Yeah, but but Sammy, at the same time, like there was the the one cross comes in, Mitro chests it down and hits it over the bar. Mm-hmm. He's in the box. I didn't, there weren't that many players in the box. They weren't putting that much pressure on. I'm saying we were getting like Mitro had that little header down for Pereira, which then got knocked back to him and he shoots wide. We had a lot of chances where it wasn't anything to do with defenders there. We just weren't able to hit the target and test Pickford. 
Yeah, but when you don't have time to actually, it did um, have time. I don't. I don't. I don't I've literally just watched this game, like just pretty much like ten minutes before we started doing this. It felt like like Mitrovic wasn't given any amount of like time to actually create any opportunities. And when you're dealing with that much pressure and you're already having an off day, I yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's not as um, what you call it. I feel like it's not as black and white. Um, I think off day we should have done better. You can't, you can't, how many times could you get 20, 20 opportunities to score in a game and not actually get at least one goal? It's not, it's not mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. It's not good we enough. Getting target enough. I think that's the problem. We were, yeah. we were getting the opportunities, but we weren't hitting the target. Yeah. I'll just look at the actual stats for the final game. We had 24 shots on goal and only six of those on target. In yeah. comparison, Everton had nine shots on goal. And four of them on target. So they were, what, 45% or whatever that is on target. Mm. We were at 25% on target. You you can't score goals if you're not hitting the target. We dominated in yeah. every other aspect of the game. I'm not sure if you saw Mitro's individual stats. He had 10 shots, one yeah. on target, five off target, and four were blocked. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not a good outing. No, he was doing some howlers, though. He was doing some howling. But that... Like, that um, uh, that volley that he yeah, was was two goalposts, uh, like yeah, two goalposts wide. Mm, well, it wasn't yeah. that wide, but it, it was. He didn't have a good game. Um, yeah, and I think when your striker and we were, the problem was we were actually hitting him up, we were mm. getting the ball into him, but he wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't a day for him, and I think we just didn't test Pickford enough. We know that Pickford's a good shot stopper. I think the other aspects of his game were pretty terrible. His distribution yesterday yeah, was I agree. occasionally brilliant, mm. but then occasionally incredibly poor. He yeah. knocked the ball out of play way more often than not. And he's someone who's praised for his distribution. And they talk about Leno having poor distribution. I think Leno outshone Pickford for the whole of yesterday. Oh, um, not even a question, yeah. So, look, that sort of wrapped up the game. I, I messaged Dad, but it might have been about the 75th minute or the 80th minute, and just said, this feels a little bit like Bournemouth, mm. where we were just putting the ball in the box, creating things, and it just wasn't happening. And it, it did sort of fizzle out to be one of those games where we we should have done better and we should have got something from the game, but we just didn't, um, which, which sort of felt disappointing to only walk away from that game with with a draw still we're getting points on the board and that's the important thing. Cause I think last time out we would be losing this game somehow yeah. and that's where the morale drops and you, you do find yourself in a relegation scrap because you're not getting points from games where you should be getting something or, or in fact you, you should be coming away with three points and you're walking away with nothing. At least we're coming away with something here. Um, well, yeah. those are the sort of comments that you generally make when you're on the road. We're away, you know, it's some shitty sure. ground in the, in the north. In the we're at home. It's it's a hard place to beat Fulham at the moment. So, yeah. honestly, we should have won that game. Um, but we'll take a point. Yeah. But it's a, it's a topic of another conversation and maybe a long one that I, I saw a lot of relief on Frank Lampard's face for that to be <laughs> nil-nil and, yeah. and one point. Because I'm telling you what, he had a great game last week against Crystal Palace, but they're not out of the woods yet, and neither is he. Mm. 100%. Yeah. So, look, what we'll do there, guys, we'll wrap up the game itself. 
We'll go to a short break, and when we come back, we're just going to talk about some individual performances and what we sort of see going forward into the two games against the Manchester clubs. Right, we are back. So let's talk about some individual player performances. First of all, let's talk about the lineup changes. So we had Cabano coming in to start, replacing Wilson, who had his first start last week. And there was one other change, which was uh, Diop coming in for for Tosin. Um, so who wants to talk first? Discuss our lineup changes. Dad, you sort of made a mention of it earlier. Yeah, um, I, I was surprised to see uh, Wilson miss out because I think um, the, there was some promise last week. Um, but having said that, I thought Cabano was great. In the first half, he was really, he was difficult. He was causing a lot of trouble and I thought he did really, really well. Um, uh, Diop for Tosin, not surprising. And I thought I thought Diop had a really good game. I thought he was... I thought he was really well organised and he worked really well with Reem. He soaked up that pressure together with the other three at the back uh, really well. Um, I thought even Bobby Decadova-Reed defended very well yesterday. Um, And, yeah, I mean, um, surprised that Wilson wasn't on, but I I thought Silver made the right decision because Cabana was hot. Mm -hmm. Sammy? No, I completely agree. I mean, um, like, Reem and Diop at the moment feel like a weighted blanket level of, like, comfort. They just, particularly Diop, like, he's Premier League quality. There's basically no other way I can properly describe it. He he gets it. He's strong. He's got great positioning. Really, really like him. It's really nice to see that he's actually um, <laughs> established in the side now and can kind of work in the side. I think that's really, really exciting. Um, on the same note with Cabano as well, I mean, we're going to talk about another player in a bit, but I think it's really nice because I've been, I've been critical of him, but I think it's really nice to actually see that Cabano is primarily quality now. And, um, uh, obviously Wilson needs some time to kind of get his confidence back. I'm really hoping that he'll just have like a good world cup because he'll still, <laughs> there's no way he won't really start a few games for Wales. And I feel like he actually really, really needs time to actually develop again. But for now, I think Cabana and Diop were 100% the right choices. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm a huge Cabano fan. I'm a massive backer of his. I think he just adds that little bit of trickery and skill that I think sometimes is missed with wingers. And I think you need someone who can do a few step overs and create that bit of space. And you saw it a few times when he goes one-on-one with a defender. He had some he crazy shifts shift. as well. Yeah, he just seems to shift the ball out of his feet really nicely and make space to get across in or at least win a corner from attempting to get across in. And you see it with Willian as well. They're just able to push that ball out of their feet perfectly to create that space really nicely. So I, I was pleased with that. And again, I think our, our preferred back four was pretty close to being there, or what was there for the second half when we saw Tete obviously make his return, which we'll talk about as well. Um, I think Diop had a really good game and I um, really enjoyed seeing him come on. 
mm. talking of the back four, um, Bobby decker reed I thought he had a pretty good game yesterday. What were you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I think he did really well actually. You know, some of those sort of sort of embarrassing stand-in type mistakes um, in the first few games when he's playing at right back. I think he's mopped all those up, and 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 just when he sort of got on top of being a right back. Uh, Tete looks like uh, picking his pocket, but that's okay um, because I'd rather have him on the wing anyway. Uh, but I thought he played really well. I thought he played really, really well. And again, um, uh, I couldn't agree with everything that you just said more. Copped a yellow card though, so he's out for Man City. Now, I think Tete is going to be fine and hopefully he's ready, but that does fill me with some worry now that we don't really have like a backup right back for that game. Well, I think Kenny Tete has no choice to be but to be ready. <laughs> exactly. He's, yeah, he's just, he's he's just got there to now. find it. He's got to find yeah. something for next week, which is probably a pretty tall order and it would never have been the plan. You know, mm. uh, never ever cuz uh if if we're ready to talk about Tete, can we do that? Yeah, why not? Sure. Um, we're on we're on the right. Yeah, look, he I think he struggled uh yesterday. He didn't do anything wrong, yeah, but he struggled to get into the game as anyone does when they've been out for so long. Who knows mm. what his fitness is like? Clearly, his match fitness has got to have suffered. But he's he's got a big challenge coming in next next week to Man City. That's massive. Mm. I I think Tete probably could have been involved in the last match squad, and we obviously kept him away because we knew Decadova Reed was doing a good job, and we had a bit of faith in him, and we were able to give Tete a little more time. I think Deckard over Reed's yellow card has come at a perfect time where we've got Tete back. We're coming into a game against Man City, which, again, we're sort of expecting to lose and therefore it's a bit of a free hit. So <clears throat> you probably could have played Deckard over Reed again, but playing Tete is not the worst thing in the world. Um, I think we... I, I didn't think he had a bad game. I didn't think he struggled too much, but I think we've also been very used to watching... Deckard over Reed, who's very comfortable going forward, playing as a bit of a wing back. And I don't think Tete's quite as comfortable going forward as Deckard over Reed is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we were pushing far more when, when Tete was on, we were pushing for a winner, he maybe looked a little bit out of his, not out of his depth as such, but not as comfortable as Deckard over Reed would have done when we're pushing forward and he's sitting sort of just outside the box looking to put crosses in. So. It probably didn't suit him as much for a comeback game where you actually want him trying to shut down a winger all game. But I think Bobby did a really good good job against Damari Gray, who's a decent player, um, quite skillful, quite quick. He didn't get beaten. Well, he might have got beaten once or twice, but nothing nothing too bad. His marking was much better. As he said, he's moving along with the back line really well. So, yeah, look, I, I think Bobby had a pretty good game, and but I, I was happy to see Tete return. Um, we talked about Cabano and Wilson as well. Uh, I want to make a mention of Robinson, who had a ripping game yesterday. I think Robinson has really come on leaps and bounds and proven himself to not be able to play in the championship but be an incredible Premier League player. Yeah, I've been his, wanting to talk about His first half before. was absolutely outstanding. His pace, uh, his confidence, um, his pace was ferocious. And, you know, he, he was... He, he was a really quite terrifying prospect running down the left. And, you know, he, he and William, I think, seem to combine incredibly well. There's a, 
real sense of knowing between the two of them, which is pretty amazing because they've only really played together a handful of times. But mm. he, you know, he, on the overlap, he's – and and not only the overlap, a couple of times tracking back, it was like a 100-metre sprint dash. He's yeah. so quick. and But but it's his confidence, I think, that um, is so really great to see. Genuinely, uh, and I say this with zero sarcasm, you could take him out of our side tomorrow, put him in Spurs, Chelsea, or Man U, he would fit in absolutely fine. He's obviously one-sided. <laughs> not saying he'll start every game, but he is 1,000% proven that he is Premier League quality when two or three years ago, no, I would never have said that about him. Extraordinary. So it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It's amazing. No, he's like it's amazing development. I'm really genuinely very happy for him because I've never really written him off, but like to see his development, it just gives you a nice kind of like warm sense. That's it's he he was last night, he was uh he was a top six player. And I think as well, it's what I was talking about before with like the Everton side, um, particularly their defense, they were playing their absolute best because they had to, whereas Robinson, and he's been doing this past maybe four games, he is just playing like a top quality player. He's got that he's got that confidence, he's got that know-how, and ah oh, awesome. Ten out of ten. Well you can totally see why AC Milan were interested in him a few yeah. years ago. We picked him up off Wigan for a cut price, but you know a lot of people were saying when he first came across, oh, he's very raw, don't think he's quite got the ability, but he's, he's really proving it week on week. And I think the only thing I'd like to see him improve on is that final ball mm. and just his decision-making a few times as well. There was one point where he could have and probably should have taken a shot on goal. Um, he got into the box and was on a really good angle to just take a shot, but he put the ball across, which I'd say... Just needs to probably be a little bit more selfish sometimes because there wasn't actually an option in the box. That's just what he sort of knows to do. Um, but you know, he had a great game. He's probably one of the standouts for me yesterday. Um, alongside Polina, I thought had a really good game, and and Bobby Reed as well. Pereira pretty quiet yesterday, and I think Mitro had a five out of ten day for Mitro. Mm. Was, was definitely wasn't his best. I'm surprised Jao didn't get more highlights because he was doing some really great tackles and some just really kind of intelligent movement and, like, man-marking. And there was a couple of, like, effortlessly good slide tackles that he did that were just not even slightly contentious. Yeah. And I, I was surprised that there weren't more highlights about that because I thought he had a ripper of a game. I was a bit annoyed, I, like, uh, unpopular opinion. I do like the craziness of the f- like the first couple of games that he played, but he seems to have really found, like, a nice a nice median between yeah, the two. Yeah, I think that's a really good comment to make. Um, he is definitely, he's adjusted his game. There's no doubt about that. And um, I think he is, may, maybe there's still a bit, bit of headroom to find, to have a little bit of that, you know, angry midfielder stuff in there something a bit spicier but he's he it was actually a bit under the radar last night he had a very good game i think Mm. i I think in saying that you need to 
wait for the right game. I think a game against Everton isn't the time to go in and be throwing yourself around. I think against True. Man City, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of wild wild Jow back again mm. uh, because it'd be good to assert yourself over, you know, what is probably the Premier League's best midfield. Um, but when you're playing against Everton, do you really need to go flying into tackles? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but he, you can see his ability there. Some of those tackles he made from behind where he's basically hooking the ball back Mm. It's just he's something else, and it's great to see that he has adjusted his game to not pick up yellow cards. Because I think since he's come back from suspension, he hasn't received one yellow card, which is kind of what we're looking for. And I think everyone, sort of in the backroom staff, would be incredibly happy with that as well. Mm. And not not just hasn't received one, hasn't <laughs> looked, hasn't looked close to conceding one. Yeah, totally. And I think he's found that balance as well, where. When he first came back from suspension, he's obviously been given the orders not to get a yellow card. And I saw him pull out of a couple of 50-50s. Um, now I see him not pulling out of those 50-50s, but going in a little bit more sensibly to them. Not going in super hard, slide tackling, not quite studs up as such, but making tackles that will get you a yellow card. But he's more going in shoulder to shoulder and using his strength and you know, make, making solid tackles that aren't reckless, which is what was getting in the cards in the first place. But he had a really good game. Um, let's talk about the subs. I guess the only subs were um, Harry Wilson coming on. For me, Wilson looked slow. I, I don't yeah. think he's quite ready yet. And I know, Dad, you made the point about being surprised about him not starting, but seeing him come off the bench, I don't think he offered quite as much as Cabano did for the game. Oh, I totally mm. agree with you. Totally, as, as as I did, I said I was surprised to see that he didn't make the starting lineup because I thought he his progression was on sort of um, what's the word you know uh, on, on according to plan, but it was the right call. Cabano was that da- dangerous, and he I think uh, Harry Wilson. Look, when you're injured and coming off the bench as opposed to an impact sub, it's even harder because that's not your game. You you know, you know, someone like Wilson would expect expect to start and build into the game. So he found it really difficult to make an impact. Mm. Um, so, but anyway, it's, it is what it is. At least um, the next couple of games, if you want to call them free hits, great. Maybe the timing's perfect. Again, like, um, I totally agree. Also, weird statistic last night. Apparently, um, Tom Kenny's officially the most substituted player in the division, which I think is, I mean, it makes total sense. Um, but yeah, just come off the bench in every single game so far this I know. season. Yeah, that's what they said. That's what they said. Um, I don't think there's any other player who's got even close to that so far. He's, <laughs> he's made 13 appearances and all off the bench. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. When, with regards to Wilson, I'm just going to repeat what I said before. I feel that, like, I think he just needs to go to the World Cup because Wales are going to play him because they need to play him. And I feel that he really needs some time to actually find it outside of the Premier League because um, World Cup football is not as competitive as the Premier League. And so I think he's kind of struggling to adjust. And I think he, he does really thrive on confidence. And it's, he's just struggling to find that confidence again. Especially, And it's hard to in the Premier League. It's hard for any division, but particularly the Premier League. But it's also match match fitness. He'll get yeah. that. He'll get that yeah. in the World Cup, and he needs it. 
Oh yeah, does he ever? Yeah, it's just pure pure minutes under his belt. And then the other two subs we had Tete come on. We've discussed him briefly, and, and Tom Canny as well. Um, thoughts on Canny? I, I don't think he really got into the game too much yesterday. Yeah, he had a better impact than Tete coming on. Um, I think Tete and Wilson both found it quite difficult actually to to get into it. I, th- I thought Canny didn't have that much to do, but he he didn't look out of place. And he's obviously match fit for the role he's playing at the moment. He, he he looked okay, just didn't have that much to do. Yeah, he's really coming into that role. Like I feel that there's, I I don't think you can really um, pick out another player in the Premier League that actually does that off the bench role better and utilizing the last twenty twenty five minutes, whatever he's got. So he's really he really seems to have that down now, um, which is I I think should fill us with a decent amount of confidence, but. Yeah, um, not particularly inspiring. I don't think Pereira had a bad game uh, yeah, sufficient enough to drag him in disgust, but I think we were just looking for another option to try and open the game up and get a get a result. Yeah, um, that's what TC does. Yeah, yeah. And, Sammy, I'll put this one to you, seeing as he's, he's your favourite player ever. Should Dan James have come off the bench? No. No, especially not in this game. Especially not in this game. He's my favourite player ever in FIFA because he's just ridiculously fast and then it just stick him up front and counter-attack the whole game. As a real person, I I I like I like what Dan James is about. But God love him. He's just very, very quick and he doesn't really have that much of an end result. He also needs to go to the World Cup and um play for Wales and get some time under his belt because yeah, I, I I feel like he's also not really fully in the impact sub role that um, Kenny is, and at the moment I don't really see like I I can't think of a a winger at the moment that would start sorry that he would start over them because Williams doing great if um it's not Wilson it's Cabano and if it's not those two it's probably BDR for me and then we still got Solomon coming as well so. If if you could if you could loan out a loan player, I would have sent him as a double package to Middlesbrough along with Munez. Munez, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually disagree. I would have liked to see him come on yesterday. I think really? when we were pushing for something, just for a bit of something different, uh, and maybe push, maybe take off Harrison Reed, push Kenny back into Harrison Reed position and sit as a deep playmaker. Put Wilson central. Put James out wide. You know the the game had opened up quite a lot. You saw that ball that Mitro put out to Wilson sort of late in the second half, where mm. Wilson was standing in acres of space. Imagine you give that to Dan James and let him run onto that. It would have been quite interesting, I think. <clears throat> and I, I do think I love Marco Silva, but I do think that he could make a few more substitutions than he does. I mm. feel like he sometimes leaves it a bit too late, and I feel like he's not. Um, as not positive, but not as adventurous with some of his substitutions. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Chuck on Luke Harris and see if he can make a hero of himself at the end of the game. You know, those yeah. those kind of decisions that would just spice things up a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be against seeing a few more of those. Actually, that's a yeah. good call. That would have been interesting yeah. to see uh, Luke Harris. That would have been good. <coughs> I think um, he may as well chuck in the kitchen sink at a team. To try and win win the game, they they weren't exactly attacking hard. A few few instances where they just sort of shut up shop. It seemed like so. Why why wouldn't you? 
that's fair. Do you guys have any other points to talk about for yeah. players? Well, Ooh. just a couple. A couple. Um, yeah. for, for anyone who hasn't listened, uh, oh, sorry, for anyone who hasn't watched the game, just a, a note that BDR's yellow card was not a lack of discipline. That was a professional foul. Because yeah. I can't remember the guy was, but he was on the break and he pulled his shorts and he looked like a naughty schoolboy. Um, kind of <laughs> I think it was that Onana or something off. like that. And he yeah. completely knew what he was doing. He knew he was on four and he took one for the team. And mm. the other point that I I think is worthy of note is how terrible Calvert-Lewin was <coughs> in staying on side. His discipline oh and concentration God, was yeah. awful. Yeah. Which, do you know? Do you know? Go on. Do you know? Right. Um, my, I think my lasting point for this game is there's sometimes when I watch Australia play, for example, and it fills me with so much frustration when they have a game like this because I feel that nobody's playing well and nobody's creating chances, and it feels like they should be able to achieve that against the team that w- we are playing. And this game, I didn't feel that way about. This game, I like. You never really want to have like a draw, but a nil all draw, still a clean sheet, and a bit frustrating. We could have played better. Mitrovic could have like had a bit more of an end result, but it didn't fill me with the same rage that those games do because I, I wasn't I wasn't intensely frustrated. I guess. Yeah. My rap points on the second half would be a sense. I thought we were poor in front of goal in the second half. Um, yeah. Lacked intensity. And we looked tired, actually, which is probably mm-hmm. not that surprising given the, yeah. the pace and tempo of the first half. Yeah. yeah. So, look, if we don't have anything else to talk about here, I think we can probably wrap that game up. Uh, two points lost for most of us, I'd say, there. Um Disappointing, but you know what? Uh, I think if we look at where we are so far this season, sitting seventh in the league, got wins under our belt, picking up points all over the place, about to go into the World Cup break, probably still sitting in the top half once the other teams catch up with their games in hand. Mm. It's been a really, really good start to the season. I don't think we can be too disappointed with the draw against Everton, even though it feels like a couple of points dropped. Totally, totally. So, look, guys, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Thanks very much for your time today. Thanks again to everyone who is uh, contributing to the podcast, uh, really enjoying all the comments, uh, really enjoying interacting with you guys on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, get in contact with us, send in your questions, and um, we will be back later this week to talk about the upcoming Man City game, which will be a really interesting game to talk about before and after because I'm sure there's going to be a lot going on. Uh, So, again, thank you, Sammy, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And, Elton, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks very much. And, Sammy, I know you liked saying it last time, so why don't you say it again? Oh, come on, you whites. Felt good. Felt good. (laughs) That was weird.